0: We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson I'm going to ask a question today Why doesn't Jesus love me more? Just a moment ago, we sang the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So. A song that many of us have been privileged to sing since childhood. It is a fact, Jesus does, in fact, love all of us. Sometimes, though, people ask the question, why doesn't the Lord love me more? I think maybe a better question might be to ask it this way. Why don't we love him more? It's evident he loves us. But maybe the question ought to be asked, do we love him? Do we love him as much as he loves us? So we think about the question, why doesn't Jesus love me more? In order to answer this question, I want to begin by talking about the fact that His love for us is unequaled. His love for us is unequaled. A couple of thoughts here. First, when I think about the love of the Lord, I would submit to you that His love is unparalleled. In other words, it is incomparable. There's just no way to equate the love that the Lord has for us to anything that we know here on planet Earth. Just difficult to do. And so when you think about the love of the Lord and the fact that His love is unequaled, it is unparalleled, reminds me of a couple of things. Number one, there is no one that will ever love you like the Lord does. Now I understand that we live in a world that is filled with love and we have love for one another. We love our family members. We love our friends. There are lots of things that we love. But to think about the love that the Lord has for us. There's no one that will ever love you like the Lord. There is no one that will ever love you as much as the Lord. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Turn over now to chapter 17. I want you to see something in chapter 17. Jesus here praying in the shadow of the cross. And Jesus, as He faces the cross, prays for unity among all those who would believe on Him through the words of the apostles. The goal, of course, is that we might all be one, as He said, As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, just as we are one. Now look at verse 23. I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now we talk about love and the love that we have for a spouse or a child, a grandchild, maybe a friend, But what Jesus is saying here is that the Father loves us like He loves the Son. I'm not sure that I can wrap my mind around that concept. I mentioned a moment ago that there has never been anyone that has loved you like the Lord. There will never be anyone who will love you as much as the Lord. And Jesus bears that out in John 15, in John chapter 17. The fact that just as the Father loved Him, He said He loves us. So I think about the fact that His love for us is unparalleled, and also it's without precedence. In other words, there has never been another demonstration of love like the Lord. Let that sink in for a minute. There has never been another manifestation of love like the Lord. Now you can go back and you can read beginning in the book of Genesis. I think about in Genesis chapter 22 when God instructed Abraham to take his son as Moses records, his only son. He said, whom you love and offer him as a sacrifice on one of the mountains that I will show you. Abraham was willing to comply with God's will. Had Abraham carried out that sacrifice, it would still pale in comparison to the sacrificial love of Jesus. You can look at all the Old Testament sacrifices that were made. Under the patriarchal system, the Mosaic dispensation, think about the thousands and thousands and thousands of animals that were slain, the blood that was shed. And then bear in mind what the Hebrew writer said, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins. All of those Old Testament sacrifices pale in comparison to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And so listen to Jesus in John chapter 15, in verse 13. He said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, that Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his steps. He said, Who did no sin, neither was guile, deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, threatened not. But committed himself unto him who judges righteously. Who his own self bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. Jesus went to the cross for us, didn't He? He was willing to sacrificially give His life for our sins. And so, the love of the Lord, unparalleled, without precedence. His love is truly unequaled. But then there's a second thing, and that is His love is unconditional. His love is unconditional. I want you to think for a minute or two about the love of God. The fact that God's love for us is not conditional. I've said before, and I believe it to be the case, I don't know if I ever fully understood unconditional love until I had a child. Because I think when you have a child, you really come to appreciate what it means to love a human being that is truly bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. And there is this unconditional love. Now, you may not necessarily like or approve of everything your child may do or say, but that is your child. And because it is your child, you love them unconditionally, don't you? So... The love of God, the love of the Lord, is unconditional. So number one, His love for us is amazing. His love is amazing because He loves us despite our condition. What do I mean, He loves us despite our condition? He loves us because in many, many ways... We are unlovable, aren't we? Think about what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Paul said, When we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus loves the unlovable. Paul characterizes those of us who belong to the human family as being the ungodly. So, what that says to me is, Jesus loves me Despite my blemishes. Despite whatever may be going on in my life. Think about it this way. He loves us despite our faults. In other words, despite our sins. Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, But God commendeth His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are we sinners? Yes, we are. And yet Jesus came, as He said, in the presence of Zacchaeus, to seek and to save the lost. Look, Jesus didn't come to earth for perfect people. He said to those who were asking, those in Matthew's house, Why why do your disciples eat with publicans and sinners? Jesus said, Look, those who are well, they don't need a physician, do they? those who are sick. Jesus came to help sick people, people who were sick with sin. And so Jesus loves us despite our faults. And then add to that, He loves us despite our failures. Have you ever felt like a failure? Have you ever thought that based on certain things that maybe you have done in the past, that you have been an absolute failure? In Luke chapter 15, the Bible talks about the prodigal son, a parable that we're all familiar with. Jesus narrated that story. And He talked about a young son that went to his father, asked for his inheritance. His father granted him his wish gathered all together, took a journey into a far country, and there the Bible says he wasted his substance with profligate living. In other words, spent everything he had. And the Bible says after he spent everything that he had, tough times came, and he began to be in want. And so we find him feeding among the swine. The Bible says in verse 17, He came to Himself. This young man that had been an absolute failure, gone out into this far country, no doubt expecting great things, looking for a lot of fun, a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, a lot of good times. Absolute train wreck. So He makes the decision to go home to acknowledge his shortcomings to his father, and his father graciously receives him back. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, as he made his way back home, while he was still a great way off, the father saw him, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. Had compassion on him, didn't he? So you think about the Lord, the fact that the Lord loves us despite our faults, despite our failures, He loves us despite our condition. The fact that we are, as the old song says, wretched sinners. But then there's a second thing. We talk about the fact that His love for us is unconditional. He loves us despite our condition. His love for us is also reflected in His deliverance. In other words, He delivers us from perdition. Jesus is the only one, and I would say the only one, that can deliver you from the power of sin. Sin can get such a stranglehold on your life, it's so hard to get out of. Jesus would say in John chapter 8 verse 34 that those who are the servants of sin are literally the bondservants of sin. Sin is enslaving, and it is a brutal taskmaster. Solomon said, the way of the transgressor, he said, it's hard. There are some folks in our world today, sin has such a grip on their life. And yet, despite our sin, despite where we may be in life, the Lord still loves us, doesn't He? still willing to deliver us from the power of sin and from the penalty of sin. What's the penalty of sin? Well, Paul said it in Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin, he said, is death. In chapter 8, verse 1, he said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And so to know that Jesus has the power to literally set us free from a life of sin and death so that we might live in hope of life eternal. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study today. First, we think about his love for us is unequaled, his love for us is unconditional, and thirdly, his love for us is undeserved. Have you ever asked the question, What have I done? What have I done to merit the love of God? You know, in reality, when it's all said and done, we're unworthy of His love, aren't we? I mean, we are unworthy of the gracious love of God. Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, But God, who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Him. He said, by grace are you saved. So, we are unworthy of His love, and yet His love for us unequaled, His love for us unconditional, and yes, His his love for us undeserved. So, really and truly, I am unworthy of His love. And yet, I can read in the Bible over and over again that He loves me. I can sing songs like we sang a moment ago, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I believe it. I know God loves us. I know that what the Scriptures have to say about the love of God is so true. Ask the question a moment ago, Why doesn't Jesus love me more? Well, the answer is... He can't love you any more than He already does. You see, His love for you is unequaled. His love for you is unconditional. His love for you is undeserved. So maybe the question ought to be, why don't I love Him? Why don't I love Him more? Think for a minute about the cost. Is it the case? That as Christians, we want blessings without burdens. We want to be blessed. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be blessed. You want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. The Bible tells us that every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above. We understand that every spiritual blessing known to man is in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. So if you want to know what a blessed person looks like, look at a Christian. Every single one of us who are in Christ, we are blessed. As I've said before, the best life is the Christian life. The blessed life is the Christian life. We all want to be blessed, don't we? But sometimes, isn't it the case we want to be blessed, we just don't want the burdens? We don't want the burden of following Jesus. The cost. The cost of serving God. Didn't Jesus say, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself? You know, Christianity is intended to bless us. And I give you ample passages of Scripture that emphasize and re-emphasize the tremendous blessings of being a Christian. But look, there's some burdens involved in being a child of God. When you think about being a child of God in this world today, when you identify yourself as a Christian in America in 2017, you're setting yourself up face some burdens in life, aren't you? Did Paul not say that all who would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution? Didn't Jesus say, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God? Is it the case that we want God's blessings, we just don't want the burdens that accompany those blessings? Go back and read the book of Acts and look at the treatment of the first century Church, the Apostles, the disciples. Were they blessed? Yes, they were. Were they burdened? On many occasions, yes, they were. But I like the words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he said, Look, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Paul, were you blessed? You better know it. Were you burdened in life? Yes, I was. But he had the Lord at His side every day. So I think about the cost, and then secondly, I think about the cross. Is it the case that we want the cross, but we don't want the crucifixion? Now you say, that seems strange to me, to talk about the cross without a crucifixion. Well. It's evident from reading Scripture, Jesus was crucified for our sins, wasn't He? Paul makes that abundantly clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. We want the advantages of the cross in our life. We want all the the great blessings that come our way through the finished work of Christ, the redemptive work of Jesus. The fact that we've been redeemed by His blood, reconciled in His body. We want that. And we're grateful for that. We want the advantages of the cross and His crucifixion. The problem is, we don't want to be crucified. Didn't Paul say in Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me, in Galatians 6.14, Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Sometimes is it possible that we cheapen Christianity? We want the cross, but we don't want to be crucified. We're not willing to crucify self. For the Savior. Remember what Jesus said? If any man will come up to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Listen to him. Take up his cross. Have you crucified yourself? Sometimes we stand in the way of living for the Lord. I mean, sometimes we think about the fact that we come to services on Sunday morning and boy, haven't we done something. Or we come Sunday night and you know what? We did a great thing. We came back and worshiped God on Sunday evening. Or we stopped in on Wednesday night and we worshiped God and studied the Bible. And what a great Christian we are. But we failed to crucify ourselves. You see, The Lord's not interested in just a piece of your life. If you're just giving the Lord a piece of your life, then you want the cross, but you don't want the crucifixion. It is an all-or-nothing proposition. Please listen to me. It is an all-or-nothing proposition. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You want to know why some Christians are not happy in this life? You, know, you want to know why some Christians are robbed of their joy? I can tell you why. Matthew 6, verse 24. The problem is we've ha- we want to somehow, some way, keep one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And we're not happy. Because Jesus said, you can't serve two masters and be happy. It doesn't work that way. So we lose our joy, we lose our satisfaction, we lose our contentment. We're not what we ought to be, we're not what we could be, we're not what we should be. Because we want the cross without crucifixion. Is that you? Is that you today? The third thing, the crown. Is it the case that we want the Stephanos, the victor's crown, without steadfastness? Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15:58. Paul said, "Be you steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord." Is that you? I would imagine that every single one of us, no matter where we are spiritually speaking, all of us have the same goal, the same aspiration, that is, to be in heaven one day, right? That's what we want. But is it the case? We want the crown. We want the crown without the cost without the cross. Is that possible? Sure it is. Look, does God want us to be happy? Yes, He does. Does God love us? Yes, He does. Why doesn't Jesus love me more? Why doesn't the Lord love me more? Look, He can't love you any more than He already does. He loves you. His love for you is unequaled, it is unconditional, it is undeserved. The real question is, how much do you love Him? How much do you love the Lord? The Church is intended to bring God glory. The Church could be so much more in terms of what God would have her to do and be if we as members were what we are supposed to be. You see, when we're all in, the Church is a well-oiled machine, and we're doing what the Lord wants us to do. But when we're not all in, The church suffers immeasurably. So where are you today? If you're here, and for whatever reason maybe you have thought, the Lord doesn't love me, I hope and pray that what we have said today dispels that idea that you understand without any more questions, God loves you. The Bible says God is love. So you understand that but you want to be one of His children. So what do you need to do? You need to obey the gospel. What would that entail? Well, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of all your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess that you believe Jesus is God's Son and then be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. If you're here today, And your life is not what it ought to be. You understand the Lord loves you. The real question is, do you love Him? Maybe in your heart of hearts you know that you haven't loved Him as you should. And maybe you want the prayers of the church. Look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.